As Christians, we know that spending time in the Bible is essential to our walk with Christ. But why then is it so hard to actually do it? Worse, why is it so hard to even want to do it sometimes? My guest today is Kristen Weatherall, and in our conversation, she offers wisdom and encouragement to the Christians struggling with a lack of passion for God's Word. She speaks honestly to the struggles that we all face when it comes to this spiritual discipline. She shares practical tips for establishing better Bible reading habits, and she highlights three things to remember, three things that have the potential to increase our desire for God's Word each and every day. Kristen Weatherall is a wife, a mother, a writer and a speaker, and lives in Chicagoland with her husband and three children. She's also the author of several books, including Help for the Hungry Soul, Eight Encouragements to Grow Your Appetite for God's Word from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So today we're going to talk about reading God's Word, uh, but more specifically, not just reading it, but uh, our desire to read it, or sometimes maybe our lack of desire to read it. And so maybe just to start off, is that something that you would say that you struggle with on an ongoing basis, a, a lack of a desire to be in the Bible? I would say it comes and goes in seasons. Hmm. It's seasonal. Yeah. Thankfully, it's not all the time. <laughs> and and that was one of the reasons that I that I wrote Help for the Hungry Soul because I found that there was a connection between uh, entering a season of a lack of desire and then continuing to read the word and then that desire being rekindled. Hmm. And so there's a connection there. God gives us his words as food for our souls and he satisfies that hunger that we have. But we're not going to be satisfied apart from his word, mm-hmm. you know? And I think so often the temptation for me at least is when I, you know, don't have the desire, well, is it legalistic then to just open just my it. Bible because I'm, you know, I don't really feel like it. And we've all been in seasons, maybe long seasons where we felt like I am just going through the motions. Absolutely. Is this actually doing any good for me? Maybe this is harmful for me. Right. Right. Is it the best use of my time? If it doesn't seem fruitful, um, certainly other things vie for our attention, whether it's our family members or our work or modern media. Mm. But I found this just glorious connection that when I stayed in the word, which I know is only by God's grace, mm. you know, him drawing me there, that affection was rekindled. Mm. You know, I've heard people say, the more you pray, the more you pray. And I think the same is true of scripture. The more you read, the more you read and the more you want to read. And then it's this glorious cycle. And there are these seasons of, of feeling dry, you know, spiritual dryness, feeling like God is far away. I think the Puritans have called it like, uh, God's desertions. Mm. And we don't exactly know what, what he's doing. He only, he's God, only he knows, but you know, seasons where perhaps the Lord kind of withdraws a sense of his presence. Yeah. We know that he's always with us but a sense of his presence to see kind of what we'll do with that, mm. you know? And I, and I've just been in this place where I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> Lord, I need you. I need a sense of your presence. And where do we go to absolutely without a doubt hear from God and know that he's there? It's his word. Mm. Um, so this is deeply personal. Yeah. You've used the language of hunger. And I think you even said appetite at one point, the title of your book is help for the hungry soul. And throughout the book, you use that picture of hunger and appetite 
when it comes to the Bible and God's word uh, as kind of the main idea, the main motif, the lens through which you view this issue. Why do you think that's a helpful way to frame the question of our desire, our longing, our intake of God's word? Yeah, well, God's word talks about it that way. I think about Matthew 4.4, which is Jesus quoting scripture. He's quoting the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. And he says to the devil in the wilderness, you know, no, I'm not going to give into this temptation, even though I fasted for 40 days and I'm not going to turn these rocks into bread because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, And so God created us with a spiritual hunger for him. We were made for him to know him, to walk with him, made for his glory, to be reflections of him. And how does God satisfy that hunger? As he gives us himself, he gives us his words mm. to satisfy that hunger. So we see this motif running throughout scripture. I'm even thinking of the prophet Isaiah who says, you know, your words were found. And he says, I ate them. I ate them. Mm. And they became to me my joy and the delight of my heart. And so it's, I think we can use this motif because scripture uses it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're, we're a hungry people. We know that. Yeah. We yeah, are hungry. Beyond even the scriptural precedent, as you've thought about this, as, you, as you've meditated on this idea, are there connections to our daily experience of eating that have kind of come out to you and, and, and maybe made this all the more helpful as a way to think about this issue? Absolutely. Yeah, that's... There... You know, eat, eating is such a huge part of our, our lives, right? We can't survive if we don't eat. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all can, get that. We can fast for quite a long time. But, but we feel eventually, it. Eventually. It's pretty uncomfortable to do that. Absolutely. And we know that starvation produces death hmm. eventually to the body. And similarly, if we starve ourselves of the nourishing words of God, where God tells us who he is and tells us who Jesus is and why he came and why we need him and where salvation is found. If we starve ourselves of that, our souls wither Mm. and die. Mm. God says in in Deuteronomy, this this is your very life. Um, He speaks through Moses and Moses is basically saying, listen to God's words and you will live. So our souls need you know, the food of the word per se, just like our bodies need food. And I feel it as a mom. I have three uh, young kids, and so our lives are very, very overwhelming at times, very, very full all the time. How old are your kids? Um, so Lydia is three months old. Mm. She was born at the beginning of the year. John is three, and Joanna is five and a half. Mm. So it's a full life. Yeah. Um, we're very having, busy season. Very busy. We're having a lot of fun. And I know as a mom how important it is not only to feed my kids, but to feed myself because I know I can't do my job well. Mm if I'm over here languishing because I haven't fed myself. But I also know what it's like to, I know the difference between snacking on the go, you know, I got to put my kids in the car for church or dance or whatever it might be and throw some snacks in a baggie. The difference between snacking and sitting down for a meal. They'll both sustain me, but eventually I need the meal. Mm -hmm. The snacks aren't going to sustain me forever. And I think that there's a great analogy there for looking at the word because there will be times, seasons of our lives where we're just snacking on the word and that that will sustain us for a time and times when we're feasting with our church, Mm. for example, on a Sunday morning. But yeah, we need food to survive Mm. and we need the food of of the word to survive. And it seems like too, with that, that metaphor of snacking versus eating a whole meal, sitting down for a meal, we kind of understand that snacking, while it can, it, it is food, it is sustenance. It's not really 
the full experience of the food that we were designed for, that we need ultimately. So is that part of it? There's like a, as you think about that, maybe in our Bible intake, we need dedicated, intentional, even extended time with God's word, even if we can't always have that. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, clearly I'm in the season of, you know, young parenthood. And so I'm around a lot of young parents. I'm in a small group, which is a group of moms of young kids. And so we love to open God's word together and apply it to all aspects of life, but mostly, you know, motherhood and Mm. and being parents. And we talk about this a lot because we don't want to um, slip into false guilt where we're thinking, oh, you know, I've only snacked on the word today. And so God's disappointed with me Mm -hmm. and I didn't do it, quote unquote, right. But at the same time, we don't want to stop there. We want to pursue the depths of the word and, you Mm. know, the studying a passage deeply, the breadth of the word, reading through the whole Bible so that we're knowing the whole Bible and not just portions of it. We want that as well. So I think it's both and. Mm. Snacking is will help us to survive, like I mentioned before. But it's not the only thing that we need. Mm. We need the well-rounded meal. So like you said, you're a young mom. You're involved in a church. You speak and you teach around the country. Uh, you write books. And your experience talking with, with women and men around the, the country, Christians, how big of a problem is this for Christians? Our struggle to want to be in the Bible like we know we should be. Is that, I think we all feel that in our own lives, but sometimes it can seem like it doesn't seem like anyone else is really struggling the way I am. It feels Mm -hmm. like everyone else has kind of got this figured out maybe a little bit better than I do. Yeah. In my experience talking with Christians, this is a very universal and common experience. I think most of us would like to be in the word more Mm. and would like to love it more. Um, And so we do end up feeling like, is there something wrong with me? (laughs) These people over here, you know, seem like they've got it all together. So is there, what's behind that? Because if if you're saying, I think this, this is what I've seen, this is a common struggle for many, if not all Christians at some point. And yet we also at the same time often feel isolated and alone and ashamed. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to talk about that. What's going on there? Why aren't we more open about this struggle? Yeah, I think it's, I think we feel shame. I think we feel embarrassed. I think that there's something in our flesh that is quick to compare ourselves to other people. And then when what we see or what we think we see is uh, seemingly better than the place that we think we're at, um, we feel ashamed. But this is why we need the church, right? This is why we need um, the local body of Christ to walk alongside of us and to say, nope, you are not alone, brother, mm. sister, and let's figure this out together. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think it's only Bible reading. I think it's a lot of the, what we call spiritual disciplines, you know, these means of grace, these means of enjoying the Lord. It can so quickly change or move from enjoying the Lord to checking a box off my list. Yeah. And I think that's also the human heart as well. Mm. We're just, I think, easily deceived into thinking this is something that I have to do rather than Jesus has done it and now I get to enjoy what he's done. Yeah. So I don't think it's just Bible reading. I think it's a lot of aspects of the Christian life. Yeah. And I want to come back at the end of our conversation to talk about the importance of other people, like you've mentioned, the the importance of the church and, and the role that other people can play in cultivating a love for God's word. But maybe before we get there, speak to the person listening right now who's kind of thinking, all right, I've heard this all before. 
you know, and, and maybe they're actually, they're thinking, I don't know if I want to want to hear this because you're just going to make me feel guilty. I already know I don't read the Bible enough. I, I feel that weight. And here's yet another podcast, another book that's just telling me I should read the Bible more. What would you say to that person? Yeah, that is me. That has <laughs> been me so many times. You know, of course we can grow. All of us can grow. Yeah. There's always room for growth. But what I would say to that person is that we're not just talking here about doing all the right things. We're talking here about communing with a living God and actually encountering the risen Christ. And it's helped me at least to think about it that way. And when I think about it that way and that this living Christ is inviting me into the full satisfaction of knowing him, of being filled with his words, which is my very life, kind of shifts my perspective from just like, oh, okay, tell me five more things that I need to do. Mm -hmm. My to-do list is long enough. Yeah. Right? But give me the one person that will sustain me both now and into eternity. That sounds a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So we're not just talking about a process or a proficiency. We're talking about a person. Hmm. It would be problematic and strange if I didn't really want to spend time with my husband. (laughs) You know, if I just like knew some stuff about him and, you know, maybe sometimes popped into his office to tell him something that I needed or whatever, but I didn't really like know him Hmm. and love him that you would say, you don't really have a marriage. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You don't, or at least not a very healthy one. Right. Not a healthy one. So we're talking about communing with the living God. Hmm. And that's the hard thing though, for us is that we do believe that our relationship with God is a relationship. It's a personal relationship. And yet we have to, so uh, such a central part of that communing with him is through reading a book. Have you ever struggled with that? You resonate with someone who says, it's not the same as my husband. It's not the same as my wife. Cause I can't, talk to him face to face like I can with those people. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because it was that very insight in, in pastor John Piper's book, reading the Bible supernaturally that helped me so Mm. much because yes, we're reading a book and I can't see the Lord. This is, you know, I'm just opening some pages, but it was actually just that helped me because I had not thought deeply about the fact that the God of all the universe, who I don't deserve to hear from. We think about it that way too, mm. because I'm I'm a fallen sinner who yeah. has scorned his words yeah. and rebelled against him. That this God of the universe has made his words accessible to me in a book. I just hadn't really thought about it that mm. way. And so, no, I can't see him with my own two eyes. And so much of the Christian life is walking by faith and not by sight. And yet God gives me something to see. Words on a page printed with ink in a book. You know, it's, it's amazing when mm. you think about it. Yeah, It's such a gift. It's such a privilege. And when, when I read that in Piper's 
amazing book. You know, if you're listening to this and you haven't read Piper's book, read it. It's amazing. Go get it. It's a crossway book. Go get book. it. It's a crossway book. Yeah, it was in a sense like some scales fell from my eyes. It was just beautiful. Yeah. It was just beautiful to realize that. And so now um, my mom says this, but I love it. So now I, you know, I go to the word and I just say, thank you, God, for waiting for me here. Hmm. And um, it's just such a precious thing. That's really profound to think that he is, he's, when we have our Bible sitting on that coffee table, he's there. That That is his, in a very real sense, his, those are his words to us. Yeah, and we can't see him face to face, Yeah, but we have something that we can see. Mm. It's his words. That's so good. So, so then let's start with that, the kind of seemingly simple, obvious question that we all struggle with. So we've, we, we understand how precious this book is and we all have a sense uh, that we want to be reading it more. We want to love reading it more than we do. So then the question is, why do we as genuine Christians so often struggle to want to read the Bible? Mm-hmm. What are some of the reasons that you've seen in yourself or seen in others for why we struggle to want mm-hmm. God's Word? Yeah, I, th- I think a primary reason in our day and age especially is distraction. Hmm. When we look at just how prevalent media is, technology is, which are not bad things, they're good things when they're used correctly as tools, and then we notice how they're affecting us, physically affecting us. They're rewiring our brains, our ability to focus. We can make that connection. We can say, wow, I really struggle to open God's word, this book, and focus because I'm distracted. So we're distracted by technology. I think our ability, the noise around us, our inability to focus affects us. But then we also have personal distractions, right? I mean, I have three kids um, who need me. So many of these distractions are not all bad. No, no, no. These are, these are good distractions. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I think we have to recognize them hmm. and ask God to help us, help us <laughs> yeah. work around them and find times either to be undistracted or, you know, if we don't have that luxury, because sometimes I don't have that luxury to bring our people in, right? Bring our kids in, um, read the word while we're at work somehow in the car, you know, we can be creative in how we do this, but I I do think distraction is, is a huge problem Hmm. in this day and age. Um, I also think by nature, our hearts are easily dulled to the most beautiful reality in the universe, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that he's speaking to us, our hearts have been broken by sin. And so we don't, <laughs> we don't desire what we should, right? Yeah. By nature. And so I would, by nature, much rather sit down in front of the television. Yeah. Again, not the TV is bad. They kind of go hand in hand though. Our, yeah. Our natural sinful disposition then leads us to be more easily distracted by yeah, things around yeah. us. Yeah. And to not recognize the most beautiful realities in the universe. But the good news is that God is in the business of changing our hearts, Mm. of reorienting our desires, of implanting in us the best desires. And so we can ask him for that. Lord, I want to just open my phone (laughs) first thing in the morning because it's just easier. And it feels more instantly gratifying. Yeah, right. Help me to come to your word 
and to want to come to your word. We can ask him for that. And that's a desire that he'll be pleased to, to give us mm. and to meet. So one other challenging thing or uh, cause of our lack of love for the, for the Bible that you mentioned in the book is discouragement. I'm curious what you mean by that one. Why, why list that? Is this discouragement about being in the word? Mm-hmm. I think it includes that, yeah. certainly. You know, we wonder, is this doing anything? There doesn't seem to be any immediate fruit. Um, distractions discourage us, mm. right, from reading the word. I also think, though, that's, that seasons of life can discourage us from reading the word. I walked through a pretty intense season of chronic pain several years back, come to find out that it was Lyme disease you know, affecting no. my body, and wow. that's a whole other story. But it was hard to get out of bed. And there are so many people dealing with similar discouragements, the grief of losing someone that you love and the pain of walking through that mm-hmm. chronic pain, similar to my story or other types of disease, you know, or sickness, depression and anxiety. We have so many obstacles mm-hmm. and trials that we're walking through that can discourage us from opening the word because it can just feel too hard. Um, and yet I found that <laughs> there was nowhere else that I could go. You know, at the end of the day, it was the word that I needed most above everything else. But I do think that seasons can discourage us as yeah. well. Yeah. You talked about we can be discouraged by our own lack of progress, our own lack of love for the Bible. And I wonder if you could address that. I wonder if there's someone listening right now who would say, you know, I have over the years tried to be disciplined. I've tried to, we're going to talk about habits a little bit. I've had habits. I've I've tried to think rightly about what this incredible book is that I have in my hands, and I've been consistent even. I've been faithful in reading my Bible every day, day in and day out, and yet I still feel like nothing's really changing. My life's not noticeably different. I'm still struggling with the same feelings of anxiety or depression. I'm still feeling uh, tempted by the same sins and falling to those sins. What's the point? This isn't actually doing anything. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I, so there was a season a while back, a couple of years ago that I walked through where, I don't know, this is not like a clinical diagnosis or anything, but yeah. I would almost call it like walking through like a spiritual depression hmm. and just didn't feel like myself. Uh, it was winter time in Illinois, so it's great. It's not a great time. It's not a great time. You're stuck inside. We were sick so often during that season that we were alone a lot, just trying to heal and stay away from people, not share, away from church for that reason. And then on top of all of that, my husband and I uh, lost a second baby to miscarriage. Mm. And so there was also that that suffering part of it. Mm. And I just felt like burdened by heavy gray clouds. And I just didn't know what to do about it. Like I'm a, I think by disposition, I'm pretty joyful. Mm. And I just felt like that joy was gone. And so I was just praying like, Lord, I need you to restore to me the joy of my salvation was my prayer. Um, and so much of the Bible addresses reality. The Bible's not an escape from reality. The Bible addresses reality. It addresses everything that we walk through. And so it was helpful for me to keep staying in the word, even when I didn't feel like it. Our feelings are really fickle things. They're not to be relied on, right? Mm. What, what are some of the feelings that you had when you would sit down in that season 
to open your Bible. Yeah, certainly discouragement. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I'm here again, Lord, and I don't feel any different. I felt discouraged. I felt worried. Will I come out of this? Um, I think I felt a sense of, I don't know if the word is guilt or maybe shame, because just wondering, like, what am I doing wrong to contribute to this? Mm. But I think I just felt just a general sense of confusion. You know, Lord, what are you doing? Why? You feel so far away. I know in my mind that you're not, but you feel so far away. And honestly, Matt, one of the things that helped me the most was just to talk to people about this, the body of Christ. Mm. And as I'm a pastor's wife, and as a pastor's wife, there is a temptation to think, I have to have things together. It's not a true statement, but there's a temptation. And so I wondered in that season, is this going to be unhelpful for people for me to share this? I don't know. Is is this undermining my husband's ministry? Totally, yes. I think that's something that, uh, many pastors' wives listening right now, friends of pastors' wives will know that is a common struggle. Yeah, right? it's a real thing. How real can I be? Yeah. <laughs> but man, Matt, when I brought the when I brought this to my small group of women and and to my husband, I was just surrounded by compassion mm. and love. And me too, <laughs> mm. I have been there. And so I would just encourage the listener if that's the place where you're at. Start by knowing in your heart of hearts that nothing is impossible for God. His light is able to break through. And if it's not in this moment, gather around your brothers and sisters in Christ. Tell them what's going on and ask them to pray for you. That helped me so much. The light didn't come on immediately, but it helped me to press on. And it helped me to hear them say, don't give up being in the word. Don't give up praying. Mm. (laughs) I'm praying for you when you can't pray. You know, it makes me think of like Moses and his arms being held up. Yeah, yeah. um, By his brother. Well, and and you, you in the book uh, you've written, you include these, uh, every chapter there's an, it ends with an anecdote, a story about Mm. another person that you know and how God, through his word, stabilized them, built them up, helped them in the difficult season uh, it's really all these testimonies to the power of God's word and to people's desire to hunger for his word being fulfilled by mm-hmm. God. Uh, and that just speaks to the the power of community, that the, the stories that we we hear of this from each other are so powerful in helping us in these difficult seasons that we might be facing. And so that kind of brings me to a question about just the way that we often think about this topic of reading the Bible, of hungering after the Bible. So often conversations about Bible reading are actually conversations about our personal Bible reading, mm. our personal quiet time, to use a an American evangelical term that we all know yeah. so well. And it, it seems to me, in my experience at least, when I think about the idea of hungering after God's word, the preeminent context for doing that, the preeminent example of someone who's truly hungering after God's word is the personal quiet time, is, mm. is the person who is so consistent in that and that they do that every single day, and it's two hours long. And uh, how, what do you think about this idea of a personal quiet time? How how do we make sense of that? How does that fit mm-hmm. with this broader topic of hungering after God's word? Yeah. Well, I, I think the going back to your former question, I think one of the reasons we we tend to feel so discouraged and like why is nothing happening? You know, the way that it's 
quote unquote, supposed to, mm. is because we have this idea of what it should be, of what it's supposed to be, when this idea of quiet time is actually a cultural construct. Mm. <laughs> it's, there, there is no command in the Bible about having a daily quiet time. Shocker. And now, don't turn off the podcast because <laughs> before you write me off, let me explain. God in his word is concerned about us pursuing him, about us pursuing Christ and Christ pursuing us, us abiding in him and him abiding in us, loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and generally pursuing, hungering after God. How we do that is not prescribed. Hmm. You know, yes, re, you know, abide in my words, but how we do that, we have so much freedom and so much creativity. And culturally, we have this idea of quiet time, which is a very good thing. Yeah. You know, a, spend time in your Bible alone with the Lord. That's a very good thing. And, and I love that. It's an excellent way for us to grow. But it's interesting because when you look at what the Bible is, it is God's words that are overarchingly directed to the people of God, Hmm. the gathered collective people of God. You know, you have the law that is given to God's people. You have uh, God's words to the prophets who address God's people. The New Testament are letters written to the church or the gospel accounts that the church might know the truth and grow in the truth. It's written to the church. Hmm. And so I think it it broadens our idea of what it means to, you know, feed and feast on God's words when we realize that it's not just for individuals. It is for individuals. We should enjoy God's word as an individual, but it's not only for individuals. It's for his people. It's for the church. And I think so many of us fall into false guilt about this idea of quiet time because we think we're not doing it right. <laughs> Yeah, And so perhaps that's a word for the person who feels entirely discouraged right now. Have you been to church this week? Because hmm. if you have, and if your church is preaching the word and enjoying the word, you've been in the word. Hmm. And that's good news, you yeah. know? Yeah. Take a deep breath. Enjoy yeah. that. There, there was a time when our life group was talking about this topic and so many of us were feeling defeated. Oh, I just haven't been in the word. I just haven't been... And it occurred to me the irony of it because we were in the word together <laughs> right there. Yeah. Reading the word, huh. discussing the word. It's, that's such a helpful encouragement, I think, to us. And, and obviously it could, we could take it too far and it could be an excuse from ever opening our own Bibles Absolutely. and sitting right. down. You're not saying that. But it, it is so freeing to think that uh, scripture, scripture invites us to encounter God's word in so many ways. And we live in a time uh, where there is access to God's word in so many ways, but that also the church is this preeminent central place where we're designed to encounter it. That's right. As part of cultivating our hunger for God's word, uh, you talk about the importance of remembering, remembering mm-hmm. three things in particular. We've kind of already hit on some of these, but I think it was really helpful to hear you uh, explain these three things that start with an R. Uh, I wonder if you could walk us through those. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, the three R's are revelation, resources, and religious freedom. We're so often, I think, bored with the Bible. I've heard that from people too. I'm just bored. Like I've, I'm in the word all the time, or maybe I'm not. And I, I'm just bored. 
I feel like I've read the same thing over and over again, or I think that I have, and so I've stopped. I think it's partially because the Bible is actually so prevalent in our Western culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, you open up the hotel nightstand and there's a a Bible. (laughs) That we forget what a privilege it is to hear from God. You know, you mentioned we already touched on this, but the God of the universe is speaking to us. He has sent his son to earth to die and to rise in order that we might love his words and love him. Mm. So that's the privilege of revelation. You know, if we've, if we really stop to think about the access that we have to the heart and mind of God in order that we might think his thoughts after him mm. and love what he loves that's amazing. Yeah, we, we sometimes assume it. We, we, we kind right. of presume that, of course, God would reveal himself to us like this, even in a book. Of course, he would tell us about what he's like, but he didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's right. One of my favorite quotations from, from Kevin DeYoung, I'm probably going to mess it up, but it's something to the effect of the greatest calamity is the silence of God. Mm. Because if God doesn't speak, we can't know him fully. We know him partially through creation, but not fully. Yeah. So it's a great gift. It's a great privilege to have his revelation in in words. And then the second one is resources. I don't think we realize that prior to the inventing of the printing press, which was able to, you know, easily replicate printed materials, people didn't own Bibles. Mm. They had to hear the word read, preached. They had to go to church. They had to go to church. Yeah. And maybe even then, it was often in another language right? that they wouldn't have understood. Right. And so when Bibles were first printed, they were expensive. It's not like printers that we have, you know, nowadays where you can pick up a Bible for 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks. But it would cost a year's salary to buy a Bible. Hmm. So people didn't have what we have. And beyond copies of God's Word, you know, you go online and you have free access to resources to understand it <laughs> sermons commentaries study bibles that's amazing hmm. it so really is amazing sometimes people mention resources like that and uh, some people are like yep i love it i've got 17 study bibles and a four commentary series but there's other people on the other side of the spectrum though who are like "Ooh, that stuff sounds intimidating i don't think i could use those things i i don't know how to navigate a commentary in a bible dictionary yeah how do you, what, what encouragement would you give to that kind of person who feels intimidated by some of those yeah, resources? Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. There's, you know, this is why your your preaching pastor is such a wonderful gift to you. Mm. <laughs> they do all that work for you, which is which is great and excellent. Mm. And then you get to feast on, you know, this meal that they have crafted for you yeah. on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or whenever you go to church and hear your pastor preach. You don't need to. I, I always say just get yourself a good study Bible. Hmm. So you have the word of God and then you have some notes at the bottom as well as some extra information inside the Bible that can help you. I don't think you need to (laughs) purchase a commentary series, you know, or or anything like that necessarily if you don't want to. But I have found when I, when I get stuck on a passage, just a basic study Bible is so helpful or ask your pastor, Hmm. email him. Yeah. Maybe that's the first, (laughs) that's the first the first thing to do, yeah. talk to your pastor. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm reading this and I don't understand or I have this question. Would you mind meeting with me just to talk it out? So you're, you're a pastor's wife, you said. I'm going to ask you to speak for all pastors, oh given your position there. 
But would you say most pastors in your your mind would be pretty happy to hear from hear from someone in their church asking, "Hey, help me understand this. I'm trying to read this." Oh, overjoyed. Yeah, overjoyed. Um, I hear my husband say that. You know, the internet is a wonderful place, and we can access a lot of information on the internet. It's a joy for them to shepherd the flock. Mm. And that's one way that they can do that. They want to know what you're asking. It actually helps them to better shepherd you Mm. if they know what you're asking and what you're struggling through and what you're overjoyed about. It's a blessing for them just as it is to you. Okay. So the last R is religious freedom. Why, Why include that? Yeah. Well, we have extensive religious freedom here in our country. A couple years back, I had the privilege of editing the book 12 Faithful Women Hmm. that the Gospel Coalition put out. Yeah. And these were stories of 12 women who were steadfast in the faith through many different testings and trials. And a few of them involved, you know, religious persecution. These women were in countries where um, Bibles were illegal Gathering with a church was also not legal, and they could be persecuted for their faith. So what happens when a woman is jailed and her Bible is confiscated and she doesn't have the word of God in paper? Well, you know, she's hidden it away in her heart. And it just makes me think what a gift it is Hmm. to not be worried about that at this time and to be able to gather with my church on a Sunday and not be punished for it. Hmm. Um, these are privileges yeah. that we have. And it's, so it's again, something that's so easy for us to take for granted in right? our day and age. But the truth is that throughout history, many, many thousands, maybe millions of Christians have at different times had to worry about those things. Yeah. And so feed on God's word for your own soul and then do it also for your brother and sister hmm. who, you know, is in another country. <laughs> hmm who doesn't have the word um, in a book form, do it for them too. Yeah. 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 So what role should habits and habit formation play in cultivating this genuine love and hunger for God's word? I think sometimes we can kind of view uh, things that we do out of habit as less than or uh, less genuine or sincere than things that we might do out of love or out of passion What do you make of that? Yeah, I think it's helpful actually to go back to our illustration of eating. I have to eat every day. If I don't, I will not do well and I will eventually perish. (laughs) (laughs) I have to eat and you wouldn't look at me and say, well, what's your motivation for eating? Mm. You know, that's, are you eating for the right reasons? I'd be like, well, I'm eating to survive. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm eating to grow and to thrive. Um, and you even have a habit of eating every morning right. when you wake up. We don't talk about other habits that way. Hmm. Am I doing the wrong thing by brushing my teeth every morning because it's a habit? We don't talk about other things that way. Hmm. And I think as Christians, we often get concerned about being legalistic in our approach of the spiritual disciplines, reading yeah. our Bible, praying, even going to church. Um, but the habit is not the problem it's the heart behind the habit Mm -hmm. right so I can have all the habits in place for reading the Bible for example but if my heart is not to pursue knowing Christ the habit doesn't really matter 
it's not worth anything. Similarly, let's say I want to pursue knowing Christ, but I don't have a habit in place. As a mom of three, the likelihood of that just happening (laughs) is low. Yeah. So the habit is set to reinforce the heart, Hmm. right? My heart is to pursue Christ through his word. And so I am going to create a habit in order that that can happen. Yeah. If I'm creating the habit and the heart's not there, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. But Um, it's also a problem to have the heart, so to speak, but not have any habit, have no plan for actually making that happen or possible. Right, because then I won't do it. Yeah, that that ends up just not working. And it kind of defeats the whole point. (laughs) Yeah. So then what's some advice for creating a good uh, Bible reading or Bible eating habit? Mm -hmm. Uh, What does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, we mentioned before that you know, God's word is not prescriptive about this. Mm. He's not prescribing a certain type of quiet time. That's great news because it means we are free to be creative and mm-hmm. how we meet with him yeah. in his word. Um, for me right now, I we are morning people. So this this is not prescriptive for anyone listening because we're all different. <laughs> and I know some people would say, oh, I'm struggling to make it out of bed before eight o'clock, you know. Yeah. We're morning people. So I do it first thing. I do think that there is a helpful principle there. It's not a command, but it is a helpful principle. There is something about starting our day, renewing our mind before the day gets going Mm. that is so wise and so helpful. Mm. And I do see that principle played out in scripture. You know, David often talks about in the morning, he um, goes to meet with the Lord or um, morning by morning, he awakens me, the prophet says, to hear as one who is taught. Mm So there is, there is a helpful principle there. The day hasn't started yet. My feet haven't hit the ground running, but it's not a rule. It's not a command. So if you're a night person, do it then. Um, but we start, you know, in the mornings, our kids are not up when we get up. So we try to get up a little bit before them. And I do follow a reading plan. I find that to be helpful. I don't actually complete the day's reading every day. It's mm. too much for me. Uh, I can't for some take it that, all in. <laughs> for some people that might be like stressful, like, oh, I couldn't finish the reading. Right. And it can feel discouraging. You just kind of let that go. I just kind of let that go. I follow the plan. I just don't get it all done yeah. in one day. And then do you feel the pressure to go back and finish it? Well, it might take me three years to finish the plan. Yeah. But that's okay. Hmm. There's no rule about that either. Yeah. So so, so much of this, I feel like so much, so much of our discouragement ultimately comes back to all these maybe rules that we create for ourselves yeah, about this stuff. Right. And then we compare ourselves to other people and what they're doing, which can be helpful. People have ideas or ways to get the word into our lives each day, but I think we can get discouraged there. But yeah, I, we can be creative. You know, I, as a mom, I'm wanting to, you know, speak the word over my kids, get them in the word, you know, Lord willing, live it by example through his help. And that is a way that I can feed myself when I'm with my kids. They're getting fed. I'm getting fed at the same time. But I think that we can find so many ways throughout the day to get in the word. And it doesn't have to be that what we talked about before, that idea of quiet time. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be exactly that. Yeah. Maybe as a final question, what are you reading right now in God's word? What's he mm-hmm. been showing you uh, through his word and what's been capturing your attention? Yeah. I'm in Jeremiah right now. I just finished Isaiah in my reading plan. Um, the Psalms are peppered in, mm. in the one that I'm using. It's the five-day reading plan. If you're wanting to look that up online, it's go. a free resource, five-day reading plan. And then I'm also in First Peter and I am noticing specifically in the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, I've actually spent the last year 
highlighting in my Bible every instance of God uh, speaking or referring to his word. I mean, the, the whole Bible is the word. Yeah. But any instance of mention of the word. Interesting. Thus says the Lord, you know, it is everywhere. Mm. God is very concerned about us listening to him mm. because it's he's our life. And what he says is life to us. And so being in the prophets, especially in noticing the reason the people perished is because they weren't willing to listen. They ignored God. They rejected his word. And that's, you know, it's a sober warning, <laughs> I think, for us because God wants our hearts so badly. He's our perfect heavenly father who wants his children to listen mm. and to live. And so that's what I've noticed. And it just makes me want to pray, Lord, make me attentive to your word. Um, use it to reveal what's in my heart. You know, show me where I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, show me the way of holiness. Show me um, my need for you and help me to treasure you more, you know, as a result of that. That's what I've noticed. It's just the God loves talking about how, how important his words are. And I think that that is, that's so good for us because it's our life. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for, yeah, casting that vision of the importance of God's word and and of how accessible it is to us if we would just want it. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. That was Kristen Weatherall on Spending Time in God's Word. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, Help for the Hungry Soul, Eight Encouragements to Grow Your Appetite for God's Word. Pick up a print copy of the book for 30% off or get the ebook for 50% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. For more audio content like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a review. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.